Welcome to episode 698 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Radio team, welcome along to episode 698 of I Am Talks with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Isles. How you going, John? Merry Christmas, Bevan. Oh, ho, ho, it's actually Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve. Uh, what's, your best, what's your best Christmas Eve memory? Just Santa Sex, just when you're a kid, Santa Sex. But what age do you grow out of Santa Sex? What do you really mean, Santa Sex? Like a sack of toys. But do you get them on Christmas Eve? Oh, Christmas, oh, Christmas Eve, sorry. Well, probably the anticipation of what's going to be in my Santa Sack then. Yeah. I don't know if I've got a good Christmas Eve story for you, Bevan. What about your kids? Oh, I just love them when they're completely getting the wrong presents. When they're, they're <laughs> opening, they're, they think that they think they're, they're sh- shaking the box, etc., and they think they're getting this, and it's completely wrong. Mm-hmm. I enjoy that. I had a guy uh, from the gym last night tell me he bought him bought, bought it. He needed a Dyson vacuum cleaner. He wanted to get, so he bought it. And his daughter goes, "Why don't you give that to mum?" And he's like, "Genius!" <laughs> so he wrapped it up, put it under the tree, and his wife goes to him. That bed not be a vacuum cleaner. <laughs> <laughs> so he's in a bit of trouble. So he's like, shit, what can I do? Because he's got to buy a present that looks the same size in the box. I often do the big box trick <laughs> yeah. where you put the big box and then it's like a voucher inside yeah, it. Yeah, nice. Uh, I Talk is proudly brought to you by Extreme Endurance. Your Buffer. And our patrons. John, name some. John's, John's going to be the poorest. I'm just going to make it. You know who you are. Thank you for so, so much for your support in 2019. And John's going to find some names right now. But the patrons are so important to the show. You guys don't know how much what you do really keeps us going with this show. So thank you to all the patrons who are on the list. John. James the Trawler Shaw, Slade. Nice. Mark Sledgehammer Stettler. And. And Morton Triple B. Lee Batch. Okay, they are patrons of the show. Please go to www.imtalk.me to support the show. John, this week's show is totally different. I've, I'm, this will be really hard for John. He's just throwing this at me. This is going to be really hard for John because John <laughs> needs a plan. I need preparation. He needs a plan. And I've said, John, because there's no news, guys. There's nothing. It's Christmas Eve. Mm-hmm. There's no racing. No racing. Now, there may have been some news because we're actually pre recording this. Foul dope tests, yep. things like that. Could yep. have come out. Who's, oh, I was going to say, who's the most likely, but we can't really do that. <laughs> um, so what I thought we'd do is, because we've basically got, we've got an interview coming up with Tara Norton. She was won the Ultraman f- uh, a few weeks ago now on the Big Island of Kona. She's yep. also a former epic camper and uh, also a former pro athlete. And man, she's had some adversity to get over. Yeah, it's a really good interview, actually. So we kind of got about 20, 30 minutes of her. So we thought we need to pan out... We've got to get to 50 minutes, John. Oh, do we? Okay. Yeah, well, maybe. Mm-hmm. Can't be 20 minutes. Okay. How long was the interview with Tara? Uh, it would have been close to 30, I think. Okay, so what I said to John is I'm just going to throw random questions at John. Mm. So we're going, to, we're going to try to do 20 minutes of me just throwing random questions at you. Okay, okay. random question number one. So that's, that's the show, guys, and then we're going to put Tara on, and then we'll do a quick ending at the end. When do you, what do you think will be the biggest things that are remembered about this year in triathlon 10 years from now? Frodo's performance in Kona and I think whenever we look at highlights it's going to be Kona performances but that was a sensational performance because the year before with Langer brilliant brilliant race and I'm still never picking Langer in my top three (laughs) but the conditions were amazeballs they were just off the charts you look at the, the age group times everybody was just going smoking fast he's still awesome absolutely killed it but this year conditions were still relatively moderate and Frodo just went out there and he laid down the race that I've wanted to see from him for ages because you just look at him yeah, and you go complete. you're complete you're, you're going to be first or well, very close to the front of the swim he's developed into an amazing biker and we know that you're probably the best runner in the field but he hasn't already, or hasn't needed to necessarily put that those three together because he's often been in a commanding position off the bike and just had to do what was required. But for him to put that complete performance together, records are made, made to be broken. But unless they get a really sensational um, weather conditions again, God, no, I'm just so stoked that his uh, his name is on the the record books. Well, I think the interesting thing about Frodo moving forward is a, a little bit older, but mm-hmm. uh, it's hard to say he's going to be losing it by this time next year. Mm. But you know, all athletes have their time. But he wanted it this year. Mm. You know, like last year when we were in Kona, and I, I went up to him on the day and I asked him for an interview, and he said, "Oh, no, nah, it's no way today." Like, and it, it wasn't me. Mm. He wasn't like, pissed off. He was just like, 
you could just see he was struggling. Mm. Um, and, you know, when we think of, like, I don't think we'll ever see a better day out of him. Mm. You know, I think that's peak. He might win again. Yeah, I did, but just the desire. He had a lot to prove this year, mm. you know, and for his legacy, this race is really important because mm-hmm. if he won two Konas, he's a legend with the, you know, he goes up there yeah. as one of the legends. But this race, to come along a race like that on that day, and he had a lot to prove, I just don't, I don't think the want will be there as much after this. Uh, you, you think there'll be want, but it might be I want to win. Yeah. But it won't be I want to win and go for a record maybe. Who knows Who knows what goes inside those top athletes' heads. But that's that would kind of be what I might think. But yeah, that, that was definitely well, The only thing to me that could trigger that is if there is a real rivalry. Yeah, if, if it was if it was Brownie, Brownie yeah. running along next to him, he's, I think that want would go through the roof. Yeah, like I really hope there's a rivalry mm. because... Hey, it'd be so cool because those who are the rock stars of our sports. Mm. You know, when we think about triathlon, who are the male <coughs> athletes who are the rock stars? Brownlee and bloody. And I think there will be to an extent because Brownlee's going to be there in the swim. He's probably going to do what he did this year and he'll be there in the bike. Yeah. And with a bit more training, you'd think he's probably going to be there in the bike to the end. Uh, and so it may come down to a showdown on the run and whether or not Brownlee can hang tough on the run or not. Okay, next question. Is Brownlee going to the Olympics? Oh. I am going to say no. Why? Yeah, if I was a selector, I think you'd go for the long-term game and going, he ain't getting a medal. Do you think he's a team player as well? And I don't think he's a team player. Maybe for his brother he is, though. Yeah, true. Uh, But does he have much to offer his brother? Uh if he can have a swim in the right place, uh, now you see that Bevan's throwing these things. I think out, think out loud. So you think uh, it's a really tricky situation for Great Britain, and we've said this before because you have got two athletes that are off standard that could potentially get a medal. You got Brownlee, and then you got uh, Alex Yee. And I can't see Brownlee waiting around for Alex Yee to drag him up to the front of the group. But if there was a little breakaway and Brownlee was in that, and there was like five of them in there or six of them, and if Alistair Brownlee was one of them, he could keep the train going. And I don't think Johnny Brownlee would win it, but he'd have a chance of getting a medal. So, so you or, you don't think because Alex is not a great swimmer. No, no. So you don't think Brownlee would sit back and pull Alex Yee up? Can't see that happening. <laughs> Can't see it happening, even if Cause, you're under because they need someone to do that, don't they? Yeah. And if they said you're the domestic to do that, I reckon he'd probably go back at that. I'm going to race in Kona. Yeah. Because that's the thing. Because if he goes to the Olympics, Kona's, you know, it's not the same, is it? Harder. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but if I was a select, I'd probably go not selecting him. And if they've got somebody else that's a real 2024 potential, probably be better, better off blood. Or do you choose a swim biker? If they've got one. But, possibly. you know, someone who's never... But again, read. you don't need a swim biker. You need a, a Alex Yee type swimmer and then a biker that can drag them up to the front. But then you're screwing over Johnny Brownlee because you're going to drag the rest of the site, or the rest of the good runners up as but well. But how far is Alex Yee out of the water? Oh, it could be up to two minutes. Yeah, so you need somebody who can pull him up to the pack. Yeah, yeah. But what if you know if Brown leads in front of the next pack? They're not, they're not. He's not going to wait. No. So I, if I was, I probably wouldn't go for him. I'd go for. I'd go play the long game. What's been the most disappointing result this year? Oh, well, it's Daniela, isn't it? Daniela Reef at Kona, I'd say. Yeah, it is. Uh, That's by far. Yeah, by far. Just trying to think if there's anything else. And I kind of, I want to see Lionel Sanders smoking it again. Yeah. Um. So that's Trenzo. Trenzo had a rough year. Well, I think he had some good races, yeah, but, but he, he's he will he'll still win races. He'll still win lots of races, but I think his kind of kind of time might have passed him, maybe. Yeah. So Sanders and Daniela Reef. Where do you think the sports evolved this year? Like what would have been you know like when we think of it's, it's it's interesting when we look at the sport. It's it's not really a fast moving as in regards to how it evolves, mm-hmm. but every year there's kind of a little bit of evolution. So I think an Ironman and half Ironman, I think maybe not much evolution, but short course side of things, more evolution. So Super League now in its second season, I think it is. Probably has, third, probably oh, second proper season. Second proper season has kind of stabilised its position and its sort of how it's operating, but still got lots of lots of sort of growth 
and and I'm just I think it's starting to have an impact. Like people, I've had a few people say to me that the the next Olympics may well be a diff, completely different format, and Super League's been a big part of that. Mm. Uh, so I think that's probably the area of the sport that's going to change quite a bit over the next sort of the next four years is going to be ITU deciding that they need to just get with the times because Olympic distance racing Boring. it's a brilliant test. Um, and we have seen lots of different winners this year on the male side, which has been exciting. But it's boring. When yeah, when you when you go and having surfing competitions and all that sort of stuff for the for the Olympics, I think yeah, I think they've got to go the Super League path. And the whispers that I hear is you know it might be Super League type style, it might be a mixed relay, and there might be something else in there as well. So everything's going to go shorter. And so my son Tom keeps saying, I want to do this long distance race, etc. And he's he's doesn't have the talent to make the Olympics or anything like that. But never, never write them off, John. Never, never write them off. But I'm saying, if you're a kid, you've got to be going fast, not long. So try to do the shortest races you can, rather than necessarily the longest ones. So I think that's the, going to be the big change over the next. Well, in period. your perfect world, let's say we go eight years forward. You know, you know, not the next Olympics, two Olympics from now. What would you want to see in the, at the Olympics? Uh, a mixed relay, a Super League type race, and an individual time. But when trial. you say a Super League type race, what do you mean? Uh, like the probably their enduro format, sort of a triple triathlon, um, and you'd you'd have to have heats in a final. Uh, so you might have sixty athletes um, or whatever number it is, and then the top they have two two or three heats, and then the top twenty or something go through to the final. Uh, and I'd love to see an individual time trial, relatively short individual time so trial. What distances? Oh, uh, it might be say th- similar distance, maybe a three hundred meter swim. Uh, 10k bike and a 2k run or something and along they do, those lines. So have they, has this been done before? An individual time trial? Yeah. Not to my knowledge, ITU sort of level, no. Because how uh, would you go, about, would you do it like, like cycling where you just, every two minutes someone yeah, goes? Yeah, so it probably wouldn't be that exciting. Um, you just have to think through the how you'd make, make it work, but that would allow you to have Like an individual on the on Tour de France, because I don't watch that, uh, individual time trial is great to watch? Uh, no. No. <laughs> No, so it's some, be some people love them. Uh, yeah, it would be it would be a hard sell, but that's what I would like to see there. Yeah. Um, How many questions is that? We've done eleven minutes. Right. Yes. <laughs> um, what about evolution of? Oh, so you don't think there's any evolution in triathlon? What do, what, no. what do you want Ironman to be in ten years from now? Same as everybody. Big prize purses and seeing the pros go head to head. Lot uh, more often. Do you think it's going to be sold next year? Yeah, I'd love to know where that. That's probably an interesting one that you've brought up there. What the hell's happened? If anybody knows what's happened with this potential takeover by the professional triathlons organisation, let us know what's going on there because that was like a one-day story and then it's been all quiet. Yeah, no news, and I think it has to be because that's the, the legal ramifications of it, but. There's been zippo, zero news on that. Who do you think um, will be the next big star in Ironman? Um, I think Anne Howe's going to be very hard to beat for the females going forward. Even I think, with Daniela? Oh, Daniela, I still think, will crush it, but she's going to be the next best. I think she'll be really hard to beat. Uh, on the men's side of things... Is there, is there any ITU guys who you think... Will jump ship post Olympics who would be a surprise? Let me have a look here, Bevan. You, you just comment on something else and I'll have a look th- at the. Uh, well, we're not going to talk about the cricket. Australia killed us in the cricket, but don't worry, Boxing Day test is coming. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, because this, this moment next year is always a transition year for triathlon because you get the guys mm-hmm. who go from Olympics to longer course. Some of them never make it, and even guys who are stellar, like a Bevan Doherty, although he had some good eye but he didn't make it in Kona. Um, it's okay. So and then there's some surprises who you know jump across and actually really successful in the long course. Mm-hmm. Frodo is the only real example of a legend, and he, you know the argument we've had this year is that he's actually not that much of a legend in ITU other than winning Olympic gold. But what are you thinking? Um, I think the Norwegians will be the ones to watch in terms of the males. So you have got Christian Blumenfeld and Gustav Eden. And you think he'll jump? Um, I think he'll probably try to do a Brownlee and probably try to do a bit of both. He's still pretty young. He's only born in 1994, so he's 25, um, and hasn't, you know, hasn't necessarily reached his limit at uh, ITU racing. How, how successful is it ITU? 
Uh, well, he won the grand finale this year. Okay, so um, he's, yeah. but he's, he hasn't been a regular winner. Uh, but he's he's a regular contender. But that was a massive, massive performance. But he would be awesome, uh, as would Gustav Eden, who won the seventy point three World Champs. But he's even younger. He's only twenty three. Uh, so I think uh, in terms of a couple of guys that have got the full package there, fast runners, weapons on the bike, and good, good swimmers, swimmers yeah. they'd be um, they'd be good. And if I look at the female side, if Ashley Gentle comes across, she might be a bit of a weapon. So she's won the world. She won the finale last time in the Gold Coast. Uh, I think I think she could be a definite one. She didn't do too much this year. She's a weaker swimmer, so she often misses the pack in the, the swim. So if it was a female side of things, it would be her. And then if Flora Duffy comes across, and, and she's definitely nearing the end of her career. She's had all sorts of issues the last year. She was born in 87, so she's 32. Uh, she, if her health was good, if she was injury-free, she would absolutely cane everybody because she is oh, a even machine on the bike oh, she beat Daniela if, if if the distance was right for her yeah. but she's a better cyclist than Daniela Reef, uh, and she would be better in the run better than swim yeah uh, she would absolutely cane and she's 32 so she's not going to the next Olympics no no but she's she 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 only raced like twice this season she was written off with medical issues and injuries etc so she would be she would cane it Nice. That would be if she came across. That would be very exciting. What are you finding as you're aging? How's triathlon get harder? Um, for me personally, yeah. Hmm, just it's probably not an aging thing. It's just a life thing with family. Just trying to fit it all no, in. Because like, it's interesting. Myself, <clears throat> you know, we've extreme exercise for bloody twenty years now. Mm-hmm. Um, I find definitely when I'm teaching my, my big jumping classes at the gym, mm-hmm. I just don't have a little, last little bit of push now. I don't have mm-hmm. that. No, 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 it's, a, it's a 5% thing. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to doing lots of plyometric jumps and lunges and stuff like that, I definitely have lost that top edge. And like if I teach with a young guy, this guy called George, and he's really explosive, um, I can fitness-wise, no problem, but mm-hmm. my top end is explosive. Now, I suppose you don't really experience that in triathlon. Mm. Um, but, yeah, are you noticing anything physically? Oh. It's probably more that I get lazy on the things that I know I need to be doing. So the flexibility side of things and the strength side of things. And I know when I get lazy with them, then everything falls across. But that's been across your your triathlon career, really. So I think... uh, There's one thing about aging, because the one thing I've I've, kind of recognised recently is the older you get, the more you kind of have to be disciplined. Mm. You know, like, it's funny, I was talking to a lady at the gym this morning and she was talking about, um, she's got this young girl who's a real good athlete, but her diet's shit. And the the girl really likes me for some reason because I've done some fitness stuff with her. She goes, oh, can you just have a talk? to her about her diet mm. you know and I was like oh, it's a 12 year old kid mate like, <laughs> what am mm. I going to say um, but um, you know when I was in my 20s because I was exercising so much now, I have always eaten a pretty good diet but I could mm. chomp down some shit food mm. no worries at all whereas nowadays I I just be a bit more careful mm. you know and I think as you age and like things like strength and flexibility and diet you just have to be a bit more disciplined, you know, to, if you want to stay in a certain place. Oh, yeah. Like, I can sit here now and just feel my hamstring twitching. <laughs> and, I, and I know it's, I know what I've got to do. It's about making sure that, that I do it. So, yeah, strength and flexibility is important. I totally agree with you on the, the diet side of things. The belly doesn't uh, retreat as quickly as you would like it to. So well, You can't let it go out. That's the no. thing. You know what I mean? Like, you can't... It's hard to get it back in when it starts going out. Yeah. The next... Uh, the next 10 days is it's not a challenging time it's an enjoyable time but the belly will be expanding okay here's a good one if you were the head of triathlon New Zealand what would be the five biggest things you'd be pushing for um trying to well I guess you go down the performance angle and you're thinking about how to make kids faster and all that sort of stuff but just in general how to get more kids involved as well yeah Uh, if I was in charge it would be trying to stay within the budgetary constraints of all this, is I think what's crucial now is to try to get, we talked about this on last week's show, that volunteer engagement and that community feel back to to events. And I don't know how you necessarily do that, but having community engages or something like that, I don't know if that's the right word, but trying to get people to feel like they're part of a community and when they're helping out at events and that will make races go better, they'll feel like, you know, whether they go out, whether they're still sort of part-time athletes that don't race or whether they are people that just want some to go out for social runs, but somehow trying to figure out a way to get a good volunteer base together and just try to rebuild the community rather than having our sport as individuals. So many of us now are 
are coached and they go out and they're just doing their thing and they're not engaging with the community. So rather than giving you five different things, you'll be trying to figure out five ways to get better community engagement and get people coming together rather than just focusing on their own uh, training. And do you have any answers for that? Um, well, I think just like I've just said, it would be if get, getting somebody like me, if I, if I think purely on a local level, right, John's a race organiser, uh, going and saying, Where, who are your volunteers, let's get them together and then probably just have a brainstorming session with them saying, what what do you guys want to do and what do you want to get out of this? I always think, I always think to me it's like, um, where do you start from? You know, mm-hmm. I, th- I think that's a really interesting question to think about, like, like for our business, because community is really big for our business and it's mm. key to what we do, to be honest. Um, and I work for a company called Les Mills and Les Mills is a one of New Zealand's biggest fitness chains um, and very successfully internationally. But if we look at the local gyms, um, what they've always kind of been the big player. They've always had the biggest market, um, but nowadays it's a much more competitive game. Mm. Um, and you, you, some, some not criticisms, but some things I question about the leaders of the people who run Les Mills in New Zealand, at least the, the Les Mills New Zealand business, is it seems to be that they think that growing a business is about selling image. Um, or selling, I'm not quite sure what they're trying to sell, but trying to sell to youth. Um, and to me, it's, it's that how do you create a product that builds community? Mm-hmm. And so the whole thing of, um, so I was speaking to our manager the other night and I was saying, well, <clears throat> if I was going to design the gym around community, first thing I would do is I would have it so people get points to come to classes. So you get, because now they scan phones in, mm. scan the phone in. And then on the computer screen by the stage, and everyone's photo would show up so the instructors could learn all their names. Mm. So all those little things that you can do to kind of, because it's that thing of, we all think about community, but how do you create a system mm. so that community happens easily? Mm. You know, it's like without, I was doing some testimonials for our runners because we're just on a new website and one of the testimonies said the thing I loved about when I came along to your group the first session all the coaches knew everyone's name mm. now the reason it is is we've created a system so it makes it easy for our coaches to know everyone's names and so we look like we're really good at community but it's not it's because we've got a system mm-hmm. and so it's like you know like if, as a triathlon community what are those systems in place that that you can build that gives peace because what is communal community is belonging mm. so how do we create belonging in this community and what are those things that we can do to engage that, encourage that and promote that. Uh, and to me, it always just starts with w- w- what's the intention behind the first thought. Mm-hmm. And like when I look at Les Mills, I don't think, you know, they talk about all well, connection and community, but their actions aren't showing that behind their, 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 their lead thought. Mm. Um, so I think this may be something that Triathlon needs to think mm. about as well. But that, And that requires investment from everybody, not just the people. And again, I'm talking about volunteers, but... It's other people stepping up as well. If you're somebody that's never volunteered for a race, you know, actually trying to get involved and actually get some momentum in that and uh, going, I'm just going to give up a little bit of my time to try to help this get going. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's interesting if we think of the interview we did last week and she was saying how her, her training was her social, mm. you know, and, and for many of us triathletes, it's the same. Mm-hmm. So if we can create more of those belonging points, then that makes us more successful. Uh, one more question, John. Mm-hmm. One more question. Predictions for next year. For everything, everything. Who's going to win the Olympics? Who's going to win the Olympics? That is a very good question. Very good question, and I'm quite happy I've got the. I, I want Flora Duffy to win the females. Why? Um, because she was really dominant for a period, like really dominant, unbeatable dominant. And but she hasn't really got a. She hasn't got an Olympic medal. She got a Commonwealth Games gold medal, and nobody, nobody deserves anything. But I would like to see her win it. Yep. Uh, so that's who I'd like to see. The and, female and, 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 and is she, her fitness leading? You, you, she can win it. She can, and if if she's fit and healthy, and the way she came back this year, there was a, a Tokyo test event. It was her first race back, and she just went out there and just laid the smack down. Okay. She did end up technically winning it, but she actually finished third. It was when the, the first two got disqualified. Oh yeah. So if she's at the top of her game, I think that showed enough that she can she can win it. And I'd like to see somebody attacking on the bike like she does and winning it in that sort of fashion. Be rewarded for um, it. Yeah, so that's why I would like to win the female side of things. And then on the male side, man, it is a wide open race. You've, you've definitely got your favourites, um, Mario Moller or uh, Vincent Louis would probably be your two favourites. But the fascinating thing about next year is, I suppose now they are starting at 6.30, it is still going to be really hot, but they're going to be finishing at 8.30. And I, 
the sun won't be beating down on them. Yes, the temperature will probably be pretty hot, so it will have an impact, a significant impact that you need to be a great hot weather racer, but it maybe won't be quite as bad. If it had been like a midday race, high, high 30s, yeah. it would just it would be criminal. It would not be criminal. It would be you'd just get people dying out there potentially. Yeah. Uh, so I would love, again, to see somebody who's really an aggressive racer win it. Um, and I would probably love to see... I'm looking here, Christian Blumenfeld, the way that he won Lausanne. I'd probably, he'd be probably the person I'd love to see win it, unless it's Kiaki. But, but you're Hayden saying you'd love to. Yeah. Well, who do who, I who think th- will win yeah. it? I your think, heart says, but your head says. Yeah. I think Mario Moller will probably win the, the men's race. Oh, that'd be good for his career. Yeah, that'd be great. Because he hasn't got a medal, has he? No, he has not. No. And again, does, if you say yeah, deserving yeah. wise, he's had a career. He's, he's absolutely caned it. So. Think yeah. If I put, had to put money, I'd probably put money on him. And the female side, I think Flora Duffy would win if she's fit and healthy, but she may well not be. And if she doesn't, then again, you probably have to go with the incumbent, Katie's not the incumbent, Katie Zaveris, who got beaten once last season. So once, okay, yeah. So I think you'd have to go with the. And those would be your two number one seeds, number one picks. Kona. Um, Kona. This is, this is a bit boring actually because Daniel Reef is going to cane it. Frodo. Yeah, if he goes back, you'd think so. That's think. If he goes back. Well, oh, did you th- Whoa. Whoa, that's a big prediction. Yeah. You think he's going to pull the plug? League on top? Wouldn't be surprised. Really? Yeah. I don't think he, I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah. He's been in the game a long time. I looked up Frodo and I got Frodo Beggins. <laughs> it's unsurprising. I was, try, I was trying to think. think so let's it. let's say if you t- let's take those two out of the equation, then who wins? Well, you're going to say who? I'm going to say Anne Howe. This is Charles Barkley. She's never going to never going to win. And you're going to say Um Who would I say on the guys' side if Frodo didn't win? Jan Frodino mm-hmm. is 38. Yeah. Well, well that's when Corey lost it. Mm-hmm. He had his last great race at 30, 38. Mm-hmm. And then, and Fredino's turning, he'll be turning 39 next year. So I would say, is he 38? No, yeah, 38. So he's, he's 30, I, I think with I, 39? Yeah. It's, it's, it, if, if he doesn't do it this year, it's going to be, it's got to be in the next couple of years. You're not gonna, he's not going to keep racing until he's 40, is he? He's not the well, same. Well, that's what Crowe did well. Crowe quit at the right time. Oh, he no, came back. Yeah, he did no, too. He came yeah. back. He yeah. came back. Yeah, he did uh, so if, if he didn't win on the men's side. I reckon this year was Keenlay's year, and I know it's only one year down the track. I would go with I don't know, Lionel Sanders. I reckon. Oh come on! I've never picked him before. I'm gonna go Lionel. I'm Sanders. gonna go Lega. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who else is there? Who got? You, O'Donnell. Had Tim a great O'Donnell is going, and, and guys like Tim O'Donnell and um, Ben Hoffman, your American fellas. They are awesome, but you're, they're not, brilliant. You're picking, are you? They're, they're, they're going to be the ones that scrap on things. You're going to have to have a few people. What about Brownlee? Brownlee. If he doesn't go to the Olympics. I wouldn't put my... Again, if you said you got $10 to spend, that's all you've got, you can only put it on one person, I wouldn't put it on Brownlee. So you're going to put it on... Who are you going to put it on? I was going to put it on Lionel Sanders. To me, Lionel Sanders is just... If he won it, I wouldn't be surprised, but there's just too many factors against him. Mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? There's just too many things out of his control on the day that work against him. That's the thing. There's so many good athletes at that next, just that teensy level down. Yeah. Which could take it. So, yeah, it would be a wide open race if Frodo wasn't there. Well, you've got to say Langer as well. He's never making it. <laughs> he's going to go down. He's the greatest guy to win it. Who gets but never got any recognition. <laughs> Because from John Newsom, yeah, I, I love the way that he runs. I think he's the most oh. beautiful runner I've ever seen in Kona in the flesh, in terms of actually just watching yeah. on the sidelines going, You're not keeping that up, and he does. He's a bit like Rennie, she was like that, yeah, Rennie, yeah, early on, dreaming. You, Rennie was like, you, Mate, you're running your race, and then, yeah, what are you doing? Five categories, you're still doing it, yeah, okay, no. John. I think well, we killed 30 minutes, mate, 
Right. Here we go. Right. So let's put it into you. Oh, we'll do sponsor first. Sponsor. Extreme endurance. Elastic buffer. Oh, I'm going to be back on this because I've got my... Oh, one thing we didn't mention. <laughs> Here we go. We didn't mention on... We're going 30. We didn't mention my race that's coming up, Bevan. And we had our discussion that a few people found pretty entertaining a couple of weeks ago around the race. Uh, oh, this was a kayak. And we th- Bevan got me all confused thinking there was a kayak league. No, the I, website was confusing. I was just following the website. I can confirm there is no kayak oh, league okay, in my that. particular event. Thank God for that. Thank God for that, I tell you. There is a kayak, swim, mountain bike run option. There is a swim, bike run option, mountain bike. Yep. And there is a kayak bike run option so you can choose between multiple events um so i'm pretty grateful that there is no kayak because nice. i can't kayak i don't have a kayak i don't want to kayak it would have been disaster so that would have been a disaster and all over it so when's your race uh it is on the 18th of january so i've got so you're getting extreme extreme endurance i'm getting i'm getting on my extreme endurance because i'm going to need i'm going in severely underdone which i'm kind of really looking forward to because it's a challenge that i'll be doing Basically one hour training a day. I am going to do a few longer sessions, but nothing too crazy. It's probably going to take me um, getting up towards six hours probably to Mm. do the race. So that's going to be really interesting and challenging for me as well as going in going, don't really know what to expect in the swim because it's going to be absolutely freezing. And I suspect that the swim boys are going to be tiny and I'm probably going to be leading the swim, and I'm probably going to go far out. I don't. And my eyesight's not great. I'm going to go. I don't know where I'm going. Can you get a prescription? Do you do you wear contacts? I don't. Do uh, two people? Uh, not on the swim. No. You so get, can you get prescription, prescription goggles? You can oh, get those. Okay. Uh, and then on the bike, I've got no idea where I'm going, and you can't do a recce or anything like that because it's out in the wilderness. And my concern is there's different courses going on at the same time. There's like a 100k option, and my concern there is I'm going to bike the wrong way. And then the run should be pretty straightforward. But again, going into it with zero fitness, not zero fitness, but pretty limited fitness and trying to do a six or seven hour race yeah. is, uh, is going to be challenging. So that's just to update people knowing I'm not kayaking. I'm not learning how to kayak. A few people commented on my Strava uh, a couple of weeks going, where's your kayak training? <laughs> um, shouldn't you be kayaking? So it's not happening. Okay, Extreme Endurance, guys. Check it out, xendurance.com. It's going to help you peak for races when you think you may be kayaking. Yes. We go. We've got an interview coming up. John Tara Norton, she won the Ultraman World Championship a few weeks ago. Here she is right now. Right, guys. A couple of weeks ago, we had on Jordan, who won the Ultraman men's race. Um, and it's fair that we also get uh, our female winner. She's also done multiple Ironmans, over 25 Ironmans, uh, and she's won Ultraman uh, before as well. So, Tara Norton, welcome along back to the show. Thanks for having me. And Tara, also, you will have heard from her in the past as well. She's uh, done several epic camps and uh, and shown a lot of the boys how to take it to the next level. So I thought we'd just revisit before we start talking about um, Ultraman is just a little bit about your background. So tell us a bit about what you got up to before your life of triathlon. Way back in the day. <laughs> yeah. um, my history as a kid was a little bit of everything, but swimming for two years competitively as a kid. But that was really only when I was 11 and 12 years old. After that, I really didn't do anything until my university days. And while I was at university, I swam pretty casually, only because the swim team was very casual, and I did rowing. So rowing became my big sport while I was at university, and I rowed very competitively. And it was while I was at university that I got introduced to triathlon, not even knowing what it was before that. Um, A guy who swam with me on the swim team, his brother was actually the alternate for the first triathlon Olympics when they were in Sydney. And so because he knew all about this through his brother, he started the triathlon club at our university. And he said to me, you know, hey, Tara, you should try a triathlon. So I did the classic, oh, I'll do the swim portion because I'm a swimmer and did a relay and then decided I would do a sprint on my mountain bike with slick tires and uh and progressed from there so before a triathlon it was really rowing and swimming as a kid and you obviously you know you, you became very good at triathlon and, and racing professionally um 
Tell us a little bit about some of the adversity you had as a, as a pro athlete, because I know you got, uh, you know, you started, you got up to I think twelfth place in Kona was your your highest finish, and you're on the cards for some higher finishes. But you've certainly had some adversity to deal with um, through your tri career. So maybe fill us in on that. How long do you have? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yes, I've had a few very big accidents and they have definitely been accidents that are setting me back in my career. Um, but the great thing is I was able to pursue seven years of racing professionally, uh, despite the accident. So really I would say my, there's more than this, but my three major, um, setbacks came from two bike crashes and actually a fall at the very end of our Epic camp in New Zealand where we cycled from the tip of the North Island yeah, yeah. to the South Island. So the first bike accident was in 2005 and that was a completely faulty fork on a brand new bike, which oh. sent me uh, face first into the pavement while I was descending a hill during training. And that resulted in um, nine broken bones, broken neck, which was stable, fortunately. And, um, yeah, a rearranged face. So that was the first accident in 2005. And then I, you know, I came back from that. Ironically, my legs, my limbs were okay. So, you know, faces heal pretty well. And I didn't have a concussion. I got pretty lucky in how it unfolded. So then I uh, made my way to 2007, where I came 12th in Kona, like you mentioned. And so 2008, was uh, to be a, a big top 10 for me. That was my big goal. And it was during that race that a volunteer at 80 miles into the bike ran in front of me. And so there was a head-on collision and that resulted in 11 broken bones. Um, and needless to say, that ended in a flood of tears. Yeah. So I would say that, and then and then I came to Epic Camp in New Zealand, and the trail run that we did, which was spectacular and amazing on the very last day, last day, last mm. kilometer, I slipped and I fell, and I ruptured my hamstring off the bone. <laughs> so um, I would say b- between that accident and the, um, the Kona accident, I never really got back um one i ran out of time and two it just it was too 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 much <laughs> mm. um but, but i you know i went as far as i could as a professional despite all of those injuries just you know so you kind of moved away from being that level at least at ironman and we, you know obviously you had a great challenge i'm sorry uh ultraman this year but what what drew you to ultraman it's, I mean, I've done Epic Camp because I like <laughs> the challenge of going day after day and pushing my limits, you know, on a stage mm-hmm. kind of event. And also, my strength is definitely to be pretty mentally tough and to keep going. So even in my triathlon career, I was never, I would say, a good enough runner um, to really be top. And so the, you know, as I get older and slower, I just go longer. And because it suits my strength, um, it's been okay. So I can maybe not go as fast, but I can push through and keep going. So Ultraman has always been on my list of to-dos one day. And it wasn't until before 2016, after having a baby and so on, that I felt that I could actually commit the time to the training. So that's why 2016 became the year to do Ultraman first. And obviously you you crushed that race. Um, And then what was the motivation to come back and do it all again, knowing how, you know, difficult it is in Kona? It's um, obviously not racing for prize money or anything anymore, um, which is the same for for all sort of age groupers. But what what sort of drove you to to come back and give it another go? You mean Ultraman again? Yeah. Yeah. So when I did Ultraman in 2016, I went into that race with a fracture in my femur and um, I finished the 84 kilometer run on a broken leg, which was not my smartest move. Um, But like I said, I can push through some (laughs) adversity and I finished in second place with this broken leg. And four days after the race, I was on the island of Kauai. And as I slipped and fell, I fractured my femur in two pieces. 
So I now have from 2016 Ultraman a foot long rod and plates and pins in my femur. And so 2017 was obviously a year, a full year of rehab from that leg break. And so my mission in 2000, uh, uh, sorry, in 2017. So then in 2018, I decided that I would come back and I really wanted to do the race without a broken leg. (laughs) And um, I had no intention of winning it or anything. I mean, I'm beyond, those aren't my goals anymore. I just wanted to come back and finish it smartly without a broken leg and somehow came out with the win which was incredible and totally surprising and amazing and so then I just love the race so much I love the people I love the um, fact that it's crude so you get your own people and the race organizers are incredible the the way that all the athletes respect each other it is like nothing else that I've done before and so I really just love the three days there's some unique parts of Ultraman that also I really love. You don't have to run off the bike, which is different. Mm-hmm. So in the first two days, you swim, bike, then you bike so you can eat more real food. Um, and I like the ultra-distance run on the last day. I don't have to be fast. I can just keep moving. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so there's lots of things I like about Ultraman, um, and that's why I've done it more than once we, we were discussing last week uh on the show about the ultraman run in hawaii and so for people that are listening you start up in harvey and you run down to basically down to the coast and then all the way along the queen k so you're on the queen k for i don't know about 50 k's or so and it's just basically a straight rolling road and we were sort of discussing how the hell do you get through that it must just be torturous going down this long straight road it's torture. And (laughs) especially because I mean, this year, it was a little bit overcast, there was even a touch of rain, which never happens on the Queen K highway. And it was also, um, I would say slight, there was a slight tailwind as well, which was unique. So I actually this year, despite not being much faster than last year, I felt like I wasn't melting as much. Mm -hmm. But the other two years that I've done it, it really is a case of, I think, um, staying obviously well fed, which is difficult, but also as cool as possible because there is no shade aside from, I'd say the first half marathon where you start in the dark. And as soon as you end up on the queen K highway, it is literally, you are baking out there. And some of my stops are just ducking beside the van to get out of the sun. So I, the last two years have used a cooling cloth around my neck and put ice in my hat. So I think the way that you get through it is one, you just have to remember everyone's melting and two, obviously stay hydrated, but also do what you can to stay cool. Cause it's the heat that is, I mean, it's relentless and it is, you look up ahead and all it is, it feels like it's all one big hill. It's not, but when you're running it, it feels like it's all uphill um, in the heat. In a race that's so inherently challenging, what are, what are the biggest challenges? Obviously, the heat and the run. But when you're reflecting upon, you've done this race a few times now, what are the parts where you go, that is the real killer of the race? Uh, different years, I find. So I've done three different courses now because of the volcanic eruptions oh, yeah. that happened recently. So the first year I did it was the traditional, it's been that way every year. And, um, it was for me, I would, in terms of the course, it felt the easiest. The swim conditions were ideal. I had an amazing, you know, relatively easy 10 K swim. There weren't the currents or the chop that year. And you went up over the Kohalas, which is a lot of climbing, but you finished with a descent and the winds weren't crazy, crazy. They were on day one up to Volcano. But that year, I would say the run was the toughest with the heat. And then when I did it the second time around with the volcanic eruption, we went over the saddle road and it was, I don't know, 13,000 feet of climbing. And it was so hard that you know, I can't remember what the percentage was, but 30 or 40% of the people did not finish in the cutoff time on day two. Um, And so that bike ride was just relentless. 
This year, day two was closer to the first year, but instead of going up over the Kahalas, we went up the classic Ironman bike course, and it was the kind of winds that they haven't had for 20 years. I've ridden up from Kauai High to Havi probably 30 times, and this was one of two of the toughest crosswinds and headwinds. We were literally blown from the shoulder across the as Scott Molina would say, grumble strip into the middle of the road in the crosswinds. And then in the last seven miles, the headwind, I thought, I mean, I was riding sideways. Then I was riding at, I don't know, two kilometers an hour. It was unbelievable, the wind this year. So, you know, the swims last year and this year, if you have current, it's tough. Like this year, it was slow. Everyone was slow on the swim. And so I think because it's, Hawaii, just like Ironman, it depends on those elements. You know, mm-hmm. if it's current on the swim or if it's crazy crosswinds or if the heat, you know, it all comes into play at different times, different years. And each year I say it's really hard because <laughs> the whole thing is just hard and amazing. I hope that we have a windy Ironman one year soon. I say it every year, but God, it'll make yeah. a really big difference to the race. Um, tell us, you, you mentioned before just about your nutrition because you know, most of the listeners here won't have done an Ultraman. And you said it's a bit different for, for you know, com- contrast um, what you did this time around and maybe last time to what you might do in an Ironman race. Yes. Yeah, so for me, in an Ironman race, because of the run all on the same day, I really cannot take in any fiber. Because for me, my stomach can't hack it. I know a lot of people can. So I end up, you know, in an Ironman eating a ton of gels and liquid calories. When I do Ultraman, I do this that on the run. But on the first two days, I am eating crazy things like pickles and pasta. And I even had a sandwich with, with crisps, as you say, chips in it. Yeah, but chips so sandwich. Had, chips. <laughs> it's so good. And I had... Uh, I also had, you know, like cliff blocks and um, like chewy things, some gummy bears. But for the most part, I was eating uh, boiled potatoes with sea salt, pasta, and pickles. Nice. <laughs> Very good. And what about in terms of your preparation, your training? Again, you know, you're not a pro anymore, but um, what are some of the different things you did for preparation, getting ready for this race, compared to, say, what you might do for an Ironman? Yes. I think the biggest difference is it's actually not that different except for the fact that I have less time to train um, with my life, but also the distance for sure on the run is important to get in more Ks um, in a day to prep because it's 84 K. And so I, my goal is to get in about three, four or five sort of 40, 50, 60 kilometer runs. But as I get older, I also have split them up to double runs in the day to risk injury. For me, it seems to be a way to get the miles in my legs without going constantly for 50 or 60K. I did do one uh, 60K all in one go, mostly because it took like six hours. (laughs) And I only had six hours in my day to get it done. Um, and so this, the, the miles need to be a little bit more in my opinion for Ultraman and also for the swim, you know, a 10 K swim, it's a big difference from 3.8. So I do a couple up to eight, up to 10 K swims leading up to the race. So, so just, just talk us through your, your race, you know, you've got three days, just give us a bit of a pricey of, of how it all panned out and if it sort of went to expectations. The swim first on day one, I felt amazing and there weren't any noticeable currents or chop like there had been the year before, but I did notice on my watch as I was swimming that it was taking forever. And as I was swimming and I could see the shoreline, I said to my awesome kayaker, feel like I'm not really going anywhere and then I thought well maybe it's because I'm so far out from the shore you a good line is actually far out so that you don't hit the current so um, I just kept swimming and when I exited I could not believe that I was 310 
uh, and then the transition after that. But 310 was forever. Um, You know, my first year, I think I was 240 or 230 something. So it was forever. Um, But again, I never felt like I was fighting. Like the last two miles the previous year was a tough go, but it felt choppy. It felt hard. Um, so when I got out, it was just one of those, oh, wow, that was slow. Okay. Onto the bike (laughs) and, um, and the bike riding up to volcano is, uh, it's beautiful. I mean, you go along that, um, South shore, the views are incredible. The tough part is the last, you know, 20 K uphill to volcano. You go up to Oh no! over 3,000 feet from sea level and it's a constant grind and it's windy and it usually starts to rain and it gets cold. Um, so for me, that was tough this year. Finishing, you know, I just want to be done and that last 15K is an eternity. Um, it's pretty great when you pull in and see the banner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so that was day one and I, I felt good and I ate well. And, uh, and so day two, the 276 K bike, you start in volcano. And so it's freezing and it's all relative, but I've got legs on and gloves and a jacket and it is pissing rain. It's always pouring rain there. And the descent from the start you think is really dreamy because you can fly down at 70 K an hour. Um, but it's terrifying. It's dark, it's wet, it's teeming rain. So in that part, I'm just really careful. I just, I can't afford to crash again. Unfortunately, one of the competitors had an accident and was out for the race. He'll be back. He's fine. But it's one of those um, starts. It's challenging to to sort of stay safe. (laughs) Um, And then it's long and there's tons of climbing. But again, this year, the end, the climb up to Javi was really something. And everyone experienced it. We all talked about it afterwards. Um, So I was pretty happy overall with how it went on day two. That evening, I didn't eat my normal um, dinner, which I, I think, you know, hindsight now, I would do that differently. I usually eat pasta and I had rice and sort of like a sushi kind of dinner. So the last day, I didn't feel great. (laughs) First half, mind you, I don't know that you ever feel great on an 84K run no. on the Queen. <laughs> um, the first half, I felt really on target to run my just over two-hour two um, half marathons. And um, after that, kind of went downhill. So it became a real struggle for me. Just, you know, I feel like it must have been energy. It wasn't injury. It wasn't lack of training. I don't believe I went too hard in the previous days. So I'm wondering about nutrition. And again, maybe obviously a bit of mindset and just wanting to finish. Um, not Yeah, so it was not until the last 12K where I started to pick it up again. And the reason I started to pick it up again there was She's because catching I was, you. Well, so this is the interesting thing. I had an hour and 25 minutes. Yeah lead leading into the day and I knew that she was a faster runner than me story of my life and I knew what I had you know that she was going to finish before me but when I wasn't feeling great you know the classic negativity mindset is well I'm just going to finish now whatever it doesn't matter um I'll be second I wasn't coming here to win (laughs) and then at with 12k to go I got feedback from my crew and people and the support was amazing, you know, people yelling at me like, you've got this head up, because <laughs> my head was down. And, uh, and I really um, went from being a state of what is wrong with me? How can I run this slowly downhill to I'm tougher than this? And I picked it up and I, uh, it's nice because you have crew to pace you. And I dug so deep, which is something that I'm particularly proud of because, you know, in my history, I'm usually running scared and often passed. In this case, I knew what I had to finish in and I didn't give up for once. (laughs) I really felt, um, oh, it hurts so much. And I'm really, you know, really happy with the finish of the run. So the start and the finish were amazing. The middle was really tough. 
So it was it was an hour twenty five, did you say, or an hour twenty at the start of the day? Yeah, yeah. And then it got, yeah. came down to eight minutes yeah, at the end. Well. <laughs> and it's also it's funny because normally you're being chased, whereas in this situation you're chasing a time, aren't you? Yes, and so poor Connie is waiting. Yeah. <laughs> Or at the finish, wondering what's going to happen, hoping that I'm going to probably like you know just collapse or something. So, anyways, it turned out that um, that I made it with eight minutes or just under eight minutes to spare. Nice. But it sounds like more importantly, you gained confidence in an area where maybe uh, you know you've struggled with within your career. Yeah, it was a good it was a good day, a good outcome for me yeah, yeah. psychologically uh, more than anything. And, you know, the other thing that's kind of interesting for this race is that there were only four women who were signed up and three who started. And, you know, my goal is to get more women involved because it's, um, you know, I'm pretty proud of finishing sixth overall because you could look at, you know, of course, there's three women. So I'm going to come one, two or three. It was very exciting because one and two were very close. And so that made it, you know, good TV, will you, uh, as good TV as you can. But more importantly, to be sixth overall, um, I'm proud of because it kind of shows a little bit the level, I think. Um, but I would love to encourage more women to do it. And, and, and I think last year scared some people because the course was so hard and the DNF rate was so high. But it's a beautiful, amazing ultra distance race. So I hope that other women will come out and do it. Yeah. Oh, awesome performance. Um, so, what, what do you? What, what's next on the radar, and, and how long does it take to recover from this? Uh, I'm. I feel really good. I feel amazing. I haven't started training yet, so I'm going to do a ride for the first time tomorrow. Um, I run a cycling studio here, so I'm going to teach tomorrow and ride and see how I feel. <laughs> see how low or high my power numbers are, but I'll take I'll take a lot of time to ease back into things. And, and I'm thinking about doing some some cycling next year, uh, maybe some some um, yeah, like some time trial and some cycling races. I really wanted to do Norseman. I love that extreme triathlon mm-hmm. race series. I didn't get into the lottery, so I'll ch- keep trying for that. That's on my bucket list. And uh, and one day I might like to do Le Loop, which is cycling the whole Tour de France. Uh, yeah that's on my not this year uh so to be determined it's a big bucket list yeah awesome Uh, we love your work we know you know guys have been on uh guys and girls have been on epic camp love your attitude you always show and you go out there fighting um so if anybody wants to follow you or anything like that um what how can they follow you yeah, so I'm coaching with Team Atomica, so they can always uh, look me up at teamatomica.com. And then if they're ever in Toronto and they want to cycle, they can come to ttraincycling.ca. And if anybody wants to um, email me, Tara at teamatomica.com, happy to reply to any messages. Nice. You guys must get some serious uh, good indoor sessions uh, through the Toronto winter, I imagine. Yes, it's uh, there's a few hardcore people that go outside, but it's mostly indoor yeah. training. It's uh, and you know this cycling studio that I've opened up with my friend Barry is really exciting for me because it's been a dream of mine and it's an inspiring, fun place to come to. So, so it's, what um, what what trainers have you got in there, and what what are, what uh, devices are you using? So we have Cyclops M2, so they're the smart trainers, and we use Perf Pro Mm -hmm. um, software, and there are 16 trainers, and, you know, all the data goes up on, we've got three huge TVs, Mm. and we've set up the space so that it's got all natural light, high ceilings, it's really fun, it's really, it's my passion, it's really great. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Love your work, Tara, and... uh all the best for the what uh, if you if you go off and do that Tour de France thing, give us uh, you can be our, we can get live daily reports from you. I'd love to know what it's like. I mean, uh, especially if you if you're pushing the pace and not just uh, tourist riding, it would be uh, interesting to hear how you find it. Yeah, maybe I can convince you to do it with me. Epic Camp Tour. I think, de, I think Epic, you have to convince his wife. Yeah, you know. Epic Camp Tour de France could be uh, could be on the radar list. Yeah. yeah, that's epic. <laughs> awesome, Tara. Love your work. Yeah, okay, love you guys. Thanks for having me. John, your thoughts? 
she's a, a hard ass old Tara. She uh, really is. And just comes from that rowing background. Where, and rowing is a great, great sport to prepare you for oh, suffering. Oh, yeah. Um, the whole body too. Yeah, but if you went to – I went to a private school for a couple of years where rowing is really strong. And to go and do a, an ERG test, I'm sure you've probably done them as well in the you gym know, as well. You know what? I've, I've never done an ERG test. I've done an oh, ERG. Oh, my God, yeah. I mean, just because I was a swimmer and I was fit and you, you did them in like your first year of high school. Um, and that's a painful experience when you do that. I think it was. Well, a, I did a challenge at the gym. They did this, a challenge. You had to do 400 meters. Mm. Then you had to do 10 lift off press ups, mm-hmm. uh, maybe 10 burpees, 10 programs, 10 squat, whatever. And then you had to do 300, repeat that, and then do 200. So 400 rower uh, combo exercises, 300 mm. combo, 200. Well, my 200 at the end. It was bad, John. Yeah. I was humping that machine like you wouldn't believe. <laughs> and I wasn't even getting that much, you know, like I was doing the pull, but I was, wasn't getting much, yeah. you know. It was, uh, I'm glad nobody videoed it. Yeah, but you see a lot of vomiting when you see people do excess. Uh, they're pretty extreme. So I think they prepared her well for her triathlon career. So good on her. Um, obviously late in her, not late in her career, but no longer a pro and still crushing it. Uh, John, let's pretty much wrap up the show because it is it's about Christmas time. Let's just, do you want to do Winger a Week? No, we can't do that because... No uh, questions and answers. John, patrons. Patrons. Name a couple. Neil Lord Flashheart Thompson. How do we come up with that one? It's Flashheart. Gold. Flashheart's from um, Blackadder. Right. Yeah. So Flashheart is Rick Mail and mm-hmm. Blackadder goes forth. Right. The greatest character of all time. Great. Yeah. There's a great scene where they're doing this, the, the, him and Adrian Edmondson. So remember Adrian Edmondson? Yeah. So him and Adrian Edmondson, he's just like the, the Nazi soldier and he's doing mm-hmm. this big kind of, they're, they're going to kill each other and he's doing this big speech and <laughs> fish out just kills him. He goes, that guy talks a lot, doesn't he? <laughs> Shoots him. Oh, if you ever, for our, for our American listeners, if you haven't watched Blackadder, Get on it. It is sensational. Neil, the uh, Lord Flashart Thompson, and Volker, the uh, Volker, the vascular Viking Voigt. If you want to become a patron, go to www.imtalk.me, become a patron, support the boys, win a trip to Kona maybe next year. Um, just, yeah, support us in what we're doing. Also, if you want to get the show emailed to you, go to the bottom of the front page and you can put the information in. For coaching, go to coachjohnnewson.com. Also, check out his Epic Camp. Kona, if you want to get yourself a Christmas present, come on over to Kona. Get a Christmas present. Uh, you'll be getting sick of winter. It's a fantastic camp. Are fantastic you doing another camp this year? Next year, we're going to Rote next year. Oh, of course so you're too late on that. You missed out on that. And if you've got an entry for Rote and you want to come on the camp, sweet, we can have you along, but we don't have any uh, remaining entries available. But if you are entering, it's a best way to see that you get to oh. check out the course for a few days, do some good touristy stuff. Everything's taken care of. Uh, so make your race week amazing if you're going over to Roth, Rot, and Rot, Rot, Roth, uh, and you've got yourself Rot, an entry. Rot, Get on it. Rot, Rot. Um, and if you want to email the show, I am talkpodcast at gmail.com. John, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. What do you do at Christmas Day? I am in uh, Kaiteri Terry. Uh, and what are we doing Christmas Day? It's that balancing act because. Of eating? Yeah, but Belinda <laughs> stays out of it. And I, I want my traditional Christmas meal. And I think her mum, you know, there's this balancing act between me and her mum. We're kind of the cooks uh. and we're kind of going to get it right. So I think I'll, I'll be taking charge on the potatoes. I do some mean potatoes and stuffing balls. I do some. Oh, I like John, some you're talking balls. to me. And I love then, stuffing. And then I've kind of got it, this delicate balancing act where we don't want her to um, do some things, but we want, well, yeah, actually, hopefully she's not listening to the show. <laughs> the mother, you don't want her to cook some things. Um, well, I, she's ruined, we, we, we she like, ruins the turkey. We like it our style, not her style oh, okay. necessarily. So, how, do you, how, do you, how do you manage that, John? It's a challenge. So <laughs> she comes up, she's oh, no, great. You, you put a bit of p- 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 no, in here. We've just got to do that. Divide, divide our roles. I'm in potatoes and stuffing balls. That's my main responsibility. How do you make your stuffing balls? Um, I just get breadcrumbs and I just get a whole, I just kind of make it up a bit. Yeah. Vaguely follow a recipe. And where, how do you cook them? You roast them uh, in just nice olive oil. Bit just get them nice and brown. Oh, I'll be taking charge of gravy. Good point. Yeah. I, I take <laughs> charge of gravy. Yeah, gravy is my... Oh, I love... Like, when I get a chicken, I love chicken. Oh, mm. I love, and oh, chicken skin. Oh, mm-hmm. got to be good for you. All you vegans out there, I'm sorry, but I love it. <laughs> and then, but the stuffing, oh, get hand in there, mate, pull it out. Yeah. Oh. And then I make bread sauce as well. Nobody else seems to like my bread sauce. Bread sauce? Bread sauce. What's bread God. sauce? Well, you've got to be a palm to probably get the this. The dessert, you mean? Bread pudding? No. No, this bread sauce goes with your turkey. It's basically... Bread sauce? Yeah. 
It's how, how about so, making something that sounds really unappealing? Oh, no, it's brilliant. It's, it is bread and milk and butter uh, just kind of mixed together. It's weird, but it, and I love it. Does anyone else eat it? Not a lot, no. <laughs> doesn't help. Thomas is dairy-free, gluten-free, everything else free. He doesn't have any. So I, I'm happy to have a plate full of bread sauce oh, with, my, with my gravy pool. You, I, you, I put all my food to like almost half the plate and then just have this pool of gravy. And then you just dip it in. It's gold. Gravy is one of the most underrated things of all time, isn't it? You gotta come and try my gravy. Oh, John, <laughs> come try my gravy. Yeah. <laughs> um, I do no cooking on Christmas no Day. Cooking? No, no cooking. Yeah. Do you eat like crazy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do too. Yeah, it's the right. one day a year. Mm-hmm. I just let myself go OTT. Great. You know, like big breakfast, mm-hmm. then big lunch, mm-hmm. go back for doubles, triple dessert, mm-hmm. big dinner. Yeah. And then eating chocolates all day. Croissants for breakfast. Oh, I normally go, I normally get a bit of bacon. Mm-hmm. Bacon and make some pancakes, bacon nice. pancakes. and We'll go to the beach, do a bit of swimming at the beach. We, well, we've got, well, John, actually this year, because Joe's dad's having an operation. He mm-hmm. would have had it by now. Success, nailed it. What we're doing this year is just Joe's family's staying with us. Oh, nice. Yeah, so they're coming up Monday. They're, yeah. they're here last night. Yeah. yeah <laughs> they're downstairs right now. Yeah. Hi, good morning. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so they are, we're going to have Christmas morning of kids in the house again. Great. Yeah, I'm excited about that. It's cool. pretty cool. Good yeah. times. Yeah, I'll feed them up. I'll give them chocolate. Do you get what, do you, you, your kids chocolate early? Um, do, you, do, you let them, do you let them go crazy with food on Christmas Day? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Bloody oats. We're just going to try to space the presents out a bit, though. Spread oh, the presents. Oh, that's very good yeah. of you. Yeah. Mm, I'm all in. All right, let's do it. I'm Russ. I'm a dope. Train hard. Train smart. Merry Cheers. Christmas. Merry Christmas. Yeah, 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 yeah very good. Gosh. <laughs>